welcome listeners to Season 3, Episode 20 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char. And I'm Kelly. And this week we're launching into our Happy Horror Days event by watching Frozen from 2010. Let it go, let it go, Kelly and I love the holidays and wintertime, so you can expect our last few episodes of Season 3 to be jam-packed with winter themes and celebrations. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. And no, it's not that one. So we made this drink to be something you definitely want in a thermos when you go skiing. This episode will contain discussion on graphic gore, self-harm, and sexual assault. So if any of these things are something that you need to not hear today, feel free to skip this episode. So I cooked the drink today. You cooked it? I oh cooked my. It on a stove and everything. I love the effort that you put into your cocktails. Thank you. That's I, not to say that I don't put effort in too, but you always go above and beyond. <laughs> I usually have to prepare like an hour ahead of time to start <laughs> making the drink. I call this one Warm Your Bones. Ooh. And it's a uh, hot chocolate with a little bit of extra on there <gasps> to, you know, help you get through the traumatic event of being trapped on a uh, ski lift with your friends and dying slowly. You know. As one does every time they go skiing. Yes. Every <laughs> single time that happens. Mm -hmm. It's so delicious. I am a big fan. I mean, I love hot chocolate in general, but if you're going to put a bit of liquor in there, then it's extra good. Mm. The only thing is it's really hot. <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, that's because it gets cold up there on those broken ski lifts. Yeah, which is perfect. But I burnt my tongue. <laughs> um, I did something a little special. So anybody listening to this who also gets the ingredients list on Patreon, you can learn my little secret, <gasps> which is to not read the recipe ahead of time and <laughs> think to yourself, I should probably double this because there's gonna we're going to need a lot of it. And then realize by the time you get to the end of the recipe that it calls for adding just a shit ton of milk. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So what you end up doing is not having enough room for all that milk. So what you have is just the base of a hot chocolate that is extra thick and chocolatey and then not enough milk uh, mix to make it about the amount that you would really want. So you end up with like a dark chocolate hot chocolate. And as I say this, that's what I intended to do the whole time. Of course. I didn't fuck up. It's perfect. And you made enough for the whole family. Everyone got a little sip. Oh, my goodness. But also, special shout out to our patron, John N., also known as Pizza Pants. Thank you so much for sending us Hershey chocolate goodies from Just a your whole hometown. Big box of Hershey stuff. We used the cocoa powder to create this drink. And, and it's topped with a candy cane kiss. Every drinking and screaming drink comes with a kiss, but this one's special. I really like it. Do you like it? Are you are you happy with what you made? Yeah, I really like how chocolate it is because <laughs> I was like making it and I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be so sweet. And then it turned out to be a little bit more bitter, which is the kind of like hot chocolate stuff that I like mm. is a little bit more bitter. You know, yeah. like your artisanal hot chocolates. That's interesting. I guess I don't want a hot chocolate that is sugar. It definitely tastes like a hot chocolate to me, but I wouldn't call it bitter. It's still really sweet. You can definitely taste the chocolate, though, mm. which is what I want. Yeah, that's a hot chocolate. And it leaves a bit of like chocolate coating in your mouth. It's with that nice mouth feel. Yeah, it's got that nice mouth feel. It's basically like eating a melted chocolate bar. Um, num, 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 num. 
So this week we watched Frozen, which premiered on March 25th, 2010. It's written and directed by Adam Green, and it stars Emma Bell as beginner snowboarder and girlfriend Parker O'Neill, Sean Ashmore as expert skier and best friend Joe Lynch, and Kevin Zeggers as boyfriend turned dog food Dan Walker. <laughs> Jesus. Do you like it? Do you like what I did there? Great. For those of you who haven't seen the movie, don't worry. I got a synopsis written by Claudio Carvalho, our BFF on IMDb. (laughs) Uh, And now you'll figure out that dog reference. At Mount Holliston, snowboarders Dan Walker, his girlfriend Parker O'Neill, and his best friend Joe Lynch don't have enough money to buy lift tickets. Parker bribes Jason, a lift worker, with $100. When the system is nearing closure, they force Jason to let them have one last pass. However, Jason needs to resolve a work problem, and his colleague misunderstands his instructions and stops the lift. The trio of skiers and snowboarders get stranded on the chairlift near the top of the mountain. When they see that the lights of the ski resort have been turned off, they need to make a choice. Leave the chairlift or freeze to death. So they're going to be stuck up here until the next weekend as the ski resort is closed during weekdays and they're here on Sunday. Dan is the first to jump off after they fail to get the attention of a snowplow operator and all the lights shut off. Unfortunately, he lands feet first and suffers two compound fractures in both his legs, and he gets devoured by a pack of wolves. Joe tries to climb to the next chair and make it to the chairlift pull with a ladder, but the wire is razor sharp and cuts right through his gloves. In the morning, Parker wakes up with her right hand stuck to the ski lift safety bar, which she has grabbed in her sleep. After losing her glove the night before because she just had to have a cigarette. She has to rip it off, leaving her handprint of skin behind on the bar. She also has a bad spot of frostbite on her face, which she rips off accidentally. Joe eventually climbs and traverses the ski lift cable, severely cutting his hands in the process, but makes it onto the ground. Unfortunately, the wolves are waiting for him, and he grabs Parker's snowboard and starts making his way down the mountain. Another night passes, and no one has come to help Parker. After her chair falls some 20 feet before getting caught, she manages to get safely down, but then the chairlift falls on her ankle. She slowly climbs or slides down the mountain, passing Joe's remains being finished off by the wolf pack. Parker makes it to the rest of the way down the mountain to a nearby road where a car almost hits her, but thankfully stops and calls the hospital. The film ends with a traumatized Parker hearing Dan tell her, you'll be okay, baby. You're going to be okay. It's a good synopsis. Thanks. I felt like there were so many events and I didn't want to gloss over them because that's the main horror of this film. Yeah. Most of the movie is them talking. So I feel like just including the stuff that happens to them is good. Yeah. Do you want to uh, maybe hit me with that trailer audio? Are you guys sure about this? Yeah, yeah, it works all the time. All you have to do is go over there and you say, like... I said that I could pay for all three lift tickets and then I left my credit card at the gas station. Right. Totally on money. No one knows that we're up here. This is so messed up. It's Sunday and they're not open again till Friday. We're up here all week. We're gonna die. Speaking about mentioning all of the things that happened to them. That's what that trailer did. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to get people to watch a movie about people sitting in a chair for two hours without showing what's going to happen to them, I guess? Yeah. 
I was surprised because they did a really good job of making it seem like Dan is there for like the whole film. Yeah. But he's not. He's there for like the first half hour or so. He dies real quick. Uh, Which I thought was good. I don't like it when they spoil how people will meet their demise. Yeah. And it's not like a classic slasher where you just know everyone's going to die. Yeah. It is supposed to be like a suspense of like how these people are going to get out of there. But, like, they showed Parker ripping her hand off. They showed him jumping and breaking his legs. You don't see the violence or the gore. But you know that it's about to happen. Yeah. And then they also showed the wolves. So those were, like, the three biggest things. Yeah. Um, Also, it reminded me of a point that I was going to have, but I didn't include. Ooh. Which is that I think because of the time that this came out, it really had this vibe of like final destination. Totally. Yeah. The editing of this trailer very much made it like it just felt like final destination editing. But it also was better. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, like there was this vibe to it of I don't know if it was just the style of filming back then or like the editing style or maybe even some of the people from Final Destination worked on this. But like. Something about the framing of everything in this movie felt very Final Destination. Yeah, that's interesting. I I felt that as well. But my comment about how like, but it was good is just I don't love the Final Destination films for their quality. Whereas this I thought was a good movie. Spoilers. I like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think when we talked about Saw, we mentioned how people think that it's torture porn. Yeah, it's really not. Final Destination is 100 percent just torture porn. Yeah, totally. I actually, my first point is about you. Oh, hey, about that's me. me. But um, I have a skiing story and mine is bad. Oh. But I know that you have happy skiing <laughs> stories. So <laughs> I thought we could talk about that too. But of course, when you're watching a horror film about going skiing, it just makes you think of your own experience skiing. And I am not a skier. Have I told this story before? Yes, I've heard this one before. But have I told it on the show? I don't think so. I can't think of a time that it would have come up. If not, new viewers haven't heard it. Yeah, viewers in this audio podcast. Um, So I went skiing once in high school with a group of friends, and it was very much like this because my boyfriend at the time had a lot of experience skiing, and everybody else had a lot of experience skiing, and I didn't. Um, but then what did I do? I wanted to not slow people down, so I didn't even go on the bunny hill once. Classic mistake. I just went <laughs> on the real hill, and it was awful. Oh, God. Um, I fell so many times. My biggest thing was that I couldn't slow myself down. I was doing the pizza. I know that you're supposed to do a pizza, but I was going super, super fast, and the only way I could stop or slow myself was to make myself fall. <laughs> uh, and I think my boots were like not tied properly or like weren't the right size because I got these massive bruises oh. on my shins. Like the worst, almost like it, it reminded me of the compound fracture except <laughs> my bone wasn't sticking out of my leg because uh, I fell so many times. And of course I was, it was in a not so great relationship at the time where I felt like I had to, Stick it out and like be that cool girlfriend that doesn't care and it'll be okay. Whatever, I got hurt. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but it was bad. (laughs) And I don't go skiing anymore because I hate it. Yeah, that sucks. But Kelly, you're you were an expert skier as a kid. I was quite good because my uh, papa used to ski a lot and he would take me and my cousin up there basically every year, every week of winter. We would go up there and go skiing. So like. 
literally at like age five, I knew how to ski. He slapped on some skis and sent me down the bunny hill and I picked it up right away. See, there you go. That was my mistake. Yeah. You got to have a papa <laughs> that throws you into it. I mean, I used to also get in trouble because me and my cousin got so confident up on the mountain that we would like go into the trees or like go onto slopes that we weren't supposed to and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I went into the trees and there was like a ditch on the path that I didn't see. And I like went over the ditch and then my skis dipped, got stuck into the base of the one end and then fell down and created like this bridge that I was stuck on and I couldn't get my skis off. But then the, the next day I went back up and it was fine. Nice. Um, but then I got old enough that I got developed a fear of heights, which really sucked because then when I was like 17 or something like that, I went up with him and kind of the same thing happened. I like got to the top of the hill, looked down, got really scared and just started like falling my way down the hill, uh, which was really kind of depressing because I really enjoyed skiing. Yeah. On that mountain that we would go to, I was actually the youngest kid that did a double black diamond which was always my claim to fame. I was yeah! like, wow, I was so fucking good as a, as a kid. And uh, yeah, now I'm just sad because I would like to go skiing again, but I would probably have to go on the bunny hill. Yeah, I went skiing one more time with a new partner. And basically it was with my Sejap and I went on the bunny hill the entire time. And I actually had a great time because I didn't hurt myself <laughs> and it was adventurous enough for me. Yeah. But it's just not worth it to me. I always like there's the I can't remember what the colors are anymore. I think like blue square might be the easiest one and then green circle and then black diamond, I think. Yeah, but that the, sounds right. The mountain we used to go to the lodge where you would have your hot hot chocolate and your soup and stuff like that was right next to the bunny hill. So if you came down the bunny hill, you basically just kept going and you were in the lodge. Yeah. And then next to that was the lift to like the first mountain, like the beginner level mountain that was just almost as not steep as the bunny hill. It was Mm -hmm. just taller. So you could just keep going and doing that one all the time. So if we ever went up to that mountain again, post COVID, I would probably like do this, the bunny hill for a while and then try to do that little one. Yeah. But we used to go up into the fucking back of the mountain you have it takes like three hours to ski back kind of thing wow that was like marathon stuff was so fun i learned how to i tried to learn how to snowboard one time well how was that not great so i i think it was around the age where like kids were making fun of me that i skied instead of snowboard so my uh family went up there and they paid for me to go to like the class thing for like beginner snowboarders yep uh but our instructor had her birthday the night before and so she was ah. incredibly hung over that day. I, you've told me this yeah. before. Yeah. Which like as an adult now, like whatever, <laughs> that's fine. Especially Relatable. This, yeah. Especially if this is like your winter job and you came from Australia to, I don't know, hang out in Canada for a bit. Um, but she would like swerve off the path to go throw up in a ditch once in a while. That's so sad. You have to cancel if you're that sick. Oh man. So I think we like, we went down the bunny hill once and I was just like, cause it's so, it feels like you don't have any control on a snowboard. Yeah. And then we went to a smaller part near the edge of the mountain and she just couldn't teach us that day. So I just never learned how to snowboard at all. Mm. That's my skiing. That's my slope story. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And that's uh, mine as well. My two. Better and and definitely worse. (laughs) One day we'll get back up on them slopes. Yeah. But speaking of, if I was in this situation, so they jump off the ski lift 
But they do it like the evening of, which I thought like they've only been stuck up there for like a few hours and they have the realization that it's going to be five days. Mm -hmm. But I would have waited it out longer than that or done it at least like right after Jason Kane Hodder uh, came by with the snowplow. Uh, because that's like the realization that there won't be any employees. But I feel like I would be too scared and would just want. I feel like I could live if I just sat there. Like for the whole week? I think so. If I was that filled with like winter gear <laughs> and stuff, you're just going to be thirsty. I feel like eventually you would probably die either from like hypothermia or frostbite or starvation. Yeah, definitely not starvation because it's only five days. Yeah, but your body's going to be burning a lot more calories because it's cold out. That's true. Good thing I got this nice <laughs> quarantine weight. <laughs> yeah, so we got to go skiing now. <laughs> I mean, they waiting longer would have also been a good idea because if it did start snowing, then it creates like a powder and then they, they can basically like flop down into the snow. Yeah, it well, would that's still like, hurt. He jumped feet first. Yeah. When we were watching, we all because we watched this with Kelly's mom, Colleen, and we all talked about like how we would jump. And my idea was to like basically starfish my way down, hopefully landing on my back because worst case, I end up paralyzed. But then I don't feel the wolves <laughs> eating me. Uh, but best case, you're kind of like distributing your weight yeah. and like landing on fresh snow would be really ideal. My idea was to land on your right shoulder, like basically land on your right side. And try to roll, but if you don't, at least your arm is broken and you can still, like, ski down or snowboard down the hill. Mm -hmm. um, or even walk down if you had to. Yeah. My only defense of Dan is that maybe he didn't realize his boots would be so heavy and they created, like, a force of gravity down. That could be it. That's the only excuse I have for how stupid Dan got off that thing. Yeah. And when he jumped down... Uh, we all screamed very loud. That yes. was the first moment of us going, <laughs> ah, because it's awful. You see the bone. This is where the uh, content warning comes in because you see his bones out of his legs. They're like at very awkward angles. Yeah. And he's trapped there because he can't move. Very rarely do movies actually make me nauseous watching them. But like I had to do some controlled breathing to not throw up from seeing that. Yeah. Oh, and then he gets eaten alive, which you don't see, but you do feel and hear a lot of. Yeah. And Oof. you see the reaction of his friend and his girlfriend, which is possibly more impactful than actually seeing it happen. Totally. I agree. Yeah. But oh, uh, yeah, my mom said she would be very mad at us. If we did not say that we screamed in that part because we did. We totally did. Speaking of, I need to get up to get my mom's review. You do your next point. Okay. My next point is that it felt so this movie really focuses on the character building because they're on the trailer for basically the entire time. And to me, it felt before Dan jumped that Joe was maybe in love with Dan. It's like those the typical plot of the best friend that's really in love but isn't going to tell him because totally his friend is like super straight of course with his girlfriend so he'll never make it and he'll never be chosen and I thought that that was going to come out once Dan died and it was just the girlfriend and Joe on the ski lift left but that didn't happen <laughs> but I thought that that would have been nice and I know that that's sort of a trope that does get used frequently but it felt deserved in the way that this film's character building was so great. Because overall, I think that 
it all takes place on the chairlift, but the story feels like it has so many arcs to it. Yeah. And it didn't get stale once because of how strong the writing and character building was. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to just sit in one location, you have to develop your character as well. Yeah. But uh, on that point, yeah, like I I kind of got that vibe as well, especially because they build his character as like, he can't keep a girlfriend. He's they upset that, that Parker's here. Yeah. Um, but instead they replaced or they instead they had it that he had a weird encounter with his girlfriend sleeping with some other guy and making fun of him. and. So he's got trust issues, but yeah, there's something also nice about like a pet relationship between two guys that like is very loving. Like he clearly really loved Dan as like a platonic way. Yeah. Yeah. And he says that a lot. Like they've been friends forever and and he's like his only friend or whatever. And so. they communicate a lot uh, before they get on the lift, like the last lift ride. They have conversations like open conversations about how Parker's kind of like ruining the trip. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was cool that they did that and like showed that open communication with a male friendship was really nice to see. Exactly. Because like it's 2010. Most of the writing back then was still like, hey, bro, your girlfriend's screwing everything up. Chicks ruin everything. Bros yeah. before hoes. Come on. But it wasn't like that. Like it was very relatable in a sense of she was kind of ruining the trip, but. I don't know, like they played both sides and it was like a weird situation to be in, which I also thought was very relatable the way that they wrote it, because I feel like everybody who's been in a relationship in your teens has experienced something similar where you're the third wheel either with your friend and his girlfriend, but also as the girlfriend with like him and his friends. It's almost like that story you just told about yourself. Yeah. It's so relatable because it happened to me. <laughs> Meanwhile, back then, I would be so excited to have a partner that I probably would spend the entire day with them, even if I didn't get to ski. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not having a, not ever having a partner back then, I can't say for sure what past Kelly would have done. That's fair. But I also feel like she offers to stay at the lodge, which is exactly what I did once I got really hurt. And I felt like she was genuine. Did you feel like that was genuine or do you feel like that was? I feel like it was based on their reaction, but mm. it kind of helped her realize that. Yeah. I mean, it was both Dan and Parker's fault in a sense that they didn't get to go on other uh, slopes. You could he, they the slope that they end up wanting to do is the main one. Like she could have gotten hot chocolate for one ride and then had Dan come and help her learn more. Yeah. Like they didn't have to do the bunny hill the entire time. Totally. So I think. Both Dan and Parker kind of at fault. And I think they should have realized that Joe, this is like a tradition that Joe and Dan do. And you can bring a partner, but don't like alienate your friends when you bring your partner and your partner should be supportive in you not alienating your friends. And like hijacking the entire day, basically. Yeah, because they could have done that thing where they're like, well, Joe, why don't you go alone? And then there's that like, that's not that's shitty. Yeah, that's the shittiest feeling when you're you can't enjoy the thing that you end up doing because Mm-hmm. You basically got told to go do it. Yeah. And then my last point is that this is one of those movies where you yell at the TV for people making stupid choices. So in horror, it's typically like, don't go in that room. Like, don't go in the basement, you dumbos. And that's not to say that this is a bad movie because I love this film. But I did find it annoying how Parker kept putting her bare hand on the metal <laughs> bar over and over. And yes, it did become a plot point later. But it's so cold, like immediately you would take your hand away yeah. and it was constant touching. And uh, unless her hand got really numb, 
I liked that you were like, that's such a bad actor move. But then I think it was supposed to be that she was just stupid. It was too much, though. Ugh. And then um, they didn't wear their protective gear properly, which really, really bothered me. They're like, we're going to die of hypothermia and my jacket's half unzipped right now. Yeah. That's like a big douchey snowboarder thing that I always used to notice as skiing. Because like when we would go up and it was cold, we had those like big like face masks that would sweat up your face and get all like snotty and stuff like that. <laughs> but it was warm as fuck. And you had the helmet that had the clip on the back to hold your goggles. Like there was no exposed skin on your body at all. Yeah. Like everything would zip or snap or buckle or Velcro to another part of your clothes. Meanwhile, you've also got uh, overall, not uh, what are those? Snow pants? No, underneath the snow pants, the full underwear. Oh, like thermal underwear? Long johns. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, again, but we would always see like the like shirtless snowboarder guy who just wanted to look cool with his snow snow pants and no shirt and tattoos and shit. That's like my brother, except not no shirt, but he would like. Like a hoodie. Yeah, exactly. Like a t-shirt and a hoodie or something, yeah. With like a beer in one hand, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, Chris. (laughs) They used to play SSX and they wanted to look like all those characters. Yeah. But that's it. That's it for me. But I did love this movie. Wow. It was like on the edge (laughs) of my seat the entire time. They did a really good job. We're going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. We'll be sending out Happy Horror Days cards to all of our patrons of $5 or more. If you'd like to join in on the fun and receive other great perks like stickers, digital cocktail recipe cards, and deciding what we should watch next, become a patron at www.patreon.com slash drinkandscream. I've seen the cards. They're super cute. Very excited. All the information you could ever need about us is on our website, drinkingandscreaming.com. We have new holiday merch designs featured on mugs, shirts, bags, and more. So maybe you'd like to get some holiday shopping done at our merch store, drinkingandscreaming.threadless.com. This season of Drinking and Screaming is sponsored by Evil Amy's Terror Shop, who provided us with some awesome goodies to talk about on our episodes. Starting off the holidays right, we received, re-received, yep, a haunted house ornament from them to help make our horror days extra horrific and bright. Heck yeah, it's great. I love it. They also have other ones like Michael Myers, they got Ghostface. So check them out. Yeah. They ship globally. Evil Amy Sarah Shop. Have someone else in your life that loves horror and also loves candles? Or maybe you'd like to get your own spooky candles this holiday season. Go to horrorcandles.com and use code DRINKSCREAM10 for 10% off your first purchase of three or more of Liz's Horror Candle Co's candles. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream on Facebook at drink and scream. And you can email us at drinking and screaming at gmail.com. If you review us, we'll put it on the show. Get a shout out. Woohoo! Time to drop back into the episode. <laughs> My first point was about Dan and Parker ruining the trip. So I'm glad we talked about that already. <laughs> Sorry. Um, my next two points are going to be very like critical of the movie, but I feel like it's also critical of like this style of movie around this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is just the first one we've watched that really amplified this. And the first one of this, this movie was really fat phobic in the sense that like all of the protagonists and all the nice people were like hot and attractive, skinny people and white. <laughs> yeah. Just a bunch of like 
you know, Caucasian actors. We hired a bunch of them and threw them at a mountain and slapped on some snow gear or whatever. Mm -hmm. But explicitly, all the like incompetent or lazy or like bad at their job people were like hefty guys. Like Jason was that like kind of bigger dude who in movies you're like, oh, we'll trick him into wanting to have sex with me so that we can get away with stuff because he's not going to have sex with girls regularly because he's so unappealing and gross. I also thought that it was odd. They're offering a hundred bucks and she had to be like, it's for me and my girlfriends and I unzip my jacket. Yeah. I feel like anyone offered a hundred bucks in that position would be like, yeah, go for it. I mean, I have a I wrote extra stuff in one of my fun or my uh, scaredy facts to talk about all the mistakes. Oh, okay. But you can't get, you can get on sure once <laughs> if you bribe the lift uh, attendant, but they give you things to put on your clothes to show that you've paid for a pass on the mountain. Like, yeah. So you can't get on again. No. Or if you end up on a different ski lift, if, if you end up on the back and you're like, I lost my clip, then they might let you on. But you're going to get one ride, maybe. Yeah. So it was a very expensive one ride, but they seemed in this film to get the whole day was fine. Yeah. But so, yeah, they tricked the dumpy guy who can't get a girlfriend probably into letting them on. Mm -hmm. And then when he's replaced, the second guy is also overweight and schlubby and stuff. And he's the most incompetent in his job. Even Kane Hodder at that point, uh, who had gained a few pounds, was the like, guy that gave up on his job that he was supposed to do and drove back down the mountain like yeah everyone that was the antagonist was hefty in this movie even the mountain <laughs> gotta gotta fat shame the mountain for what being the, the antagonist come on but yeah that's that is true and that's been coming up a, especially you're right about this time period of like 2010s why you gotta be so fat phobic yeah exactly it's always like the gross leering guy or something mm -hmm. Is like. Also Let me tell fat. you, a lot of skinny guys, a lot of attractive men that are muscular or whatever, the epitome of body positivity, they're assholes too. Yeah. <laughs> they are more likely to be the asshole. <laughs> and they can also be bad at their job too. <laughs> um, and my second point, which is also critical, is that uh, this movie had two very not good throwaway lines in the movie. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, totally. That were kind of like uh, again, this is stuff that I heard in high school is like just throwaway stuff. Uh but Joe tells a joke, a rape joke about a 14-year-old girl mm -hmm. losing her virginity to her dad and then also says the R word. Yeah. And they could have had the same like humor style without Getting to that shitty of a level, I think, especially like the writing was so great. They what the hell writing team? I, I think at this time, like it because when we watched it, we were like, are they trying to make us not like Joe? But I yeah. think at that point that that's just how people talked. Yeah, because I know for a fact, like a lot of my friends would drop the R-bomb once in a while. And it was like common. But mm -hmm. we change. You adapt. You learn and you stop doing it. Yeah. So um, this is of its time. And I've definitely told a version of that joke as well when I was younger. So, oof, oof. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's just because we used to do it doesn't mean we have to keep doing it. And we can point it out when it's wrong. So, I mean, it's still a good movie. It's just those are my two very nitpicky things. Yeah. Um, and I also like that you also brought that up. Like you can call out shit that you've done in the past. That's bad. That doesn't mean that you have to keep doing it. Yeah. Once you learn Grow. it's bad, just stop doing it. <laughs> I mean, you're probably going to slip up, but then just continue to stop doing or continue to not do it anymore. 
All right, on to my last point, which is a little bit more upbeat. Uh, so this movie does one of my favorite things with gore, which is that it makes it very like subtle and realistic. Uh, so I learned something in school that people are actually like more desensitized to big gore. So they see like bodies explode or like getting sliced in half by a sword and stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, it's just cool and action packed or whatever. But uh, if you want to make people feel actually really uncomfortable, you show them something that they themselves have either experienced or can imagine experiencing. Mm -hmm. Like everybody's touched a metal pole and gotten part of their skin stuck. Yeah, exactly. But not an entire hand. <laughs> or like when he cuts his hands on the wire, like it doesn't slice his hands in half and blood sprays everywhere. Like he looks at his hands and they're just raw meat at that point. Mm -hmm. um, or like when she goes and brushes the scab off her face where the uh, frostbite is, like everybody's accidentally wiped a uh, scab because it was too itchy or something. Totally. And then it peeled off and it's that feeling of like, your skin detaching from itself. But uh, yeah, like I love when movies do that because it feels you can connect more uh, closely with the characters when they do stuff that you yourself can imagine hurting bad. Totally. Yeah. And they did it well. But when Dan is um, has hit the ground, his first realization is that he's going to bleed out and die Yeah, from not just the fall, but like the injury that he sustained and the blood that is seeping out of his legs, not the wolves, which then come, but you know, <laughs> even with the wolves, like there's one shot of the wolf, just like taking a nip. And I mean, you can, people know what it's like to get bit by a dog. Yeah. Like the, I think the legs were the one that like, it was close enough to realize realism that you still scream at it. Cause it's so harsh. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a lot. There's very few things in movies that have made me physically nauseous from watching. All right. Are you ready for the unnamed segment of mom reviews? That's it. It's mom reviews. Sure. No, I it, am ready. It's the unnamed segment of mom reviews. <laughs> it's like naming your game untitled goose. <laughs> All right. Da -da -da -da. My mom says, be warned. I have witnessed Char watch the most demonically haunted movies with relaxed abandonment as if she was caught up in a rom-com, a phenomenon that I still can't wrap my head around. And then I was welcomed into their home as they so often invite many of you during their scaredy fact segment for a viewing of the film Frozen, which is so not a horror movie. Char turned into a raging beast with profanity being flung so violently that I had to duck just to avoid the sting of her venomous words. Well, getting, <laughs> getting real fucking poetic there, mom. <laughs> okay, a little dramatic, but moral of the story is that Char does not like gross stuff and neither do I. And this movie was gross in a good way. I give this movie four. I'm about to puke out of five. Smiley emoji. <laughs> That's cute. That was good. Uh, but yeah, I did scream at this movie. It was very. Ugh. We all screamed for yeah. ice cream. <laughs> I like that I have this like reputation of being so stoic when I watch haunted movies. I mean, all the ones that we've watched with my mom so far, we've watched before. So we know what's coming. Yeah. Like we're still watching Bly. And anytime a jump scare is about to happen, Sharon, I just kind of like side eye glance to each other. <laughs> and my mom can see that. So she's like, what? What's about to happen? <laughs> but I think that also brought up the fact that, again, this is playing on my fear of things that could really happen to me. Like, why I'm afraid of humans. Yeah. 
because I feel like ghosts and demons and monsters are not something that would actually happen to Char in real life, but Char could definitely get stuck somewhere and freeze to death. So, But then the wolves would show up and you'd be like, hey, pupper, hey, pupper, who's yeah. a good doggo? I would have been able to control those wolves. They would have been fine. We would have been best friends. We could have all slept together and huddled <laughs> for warmth. All right, I'm going to read a passage from my favorite novel. Oh, no. What is this book on my bookshelf? It smells of rotting meat and human remains. It's time to open the Reconomicon! Oh, so spooky. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm going to go first because you stole mine. So I had to change my recommendation. I didn't steal it you from you. You stole. You went, reached into my mind before the words came out. <laughs> I'm going to recommend Alive from 1993. I've never seen it, but I do know that it's about a group of people being stranded in mountains and having to eat each other. Oh, my. People have said it's good, so I'm going to recommend that. Even Wonder though I've never seen it. if it has to do with Wendigo. No, it's about a real thing that happened. Oh, okay. It's based on a true story. Oof. So that's Alive from 1993. I'm going to recommend Green Room from 2015, which is also a horror thriller that takes place mostly in one location that features some great pupper actors. We also watched it for the first time two winters ago, which in my brain just makes it a holiday time movie now. <laughs> but be warned that it is very, very, very violent. Green Room from 2015. I remember before we watched that that I didn't want to watch it because I thought it was kind of like train spotting. Or it was just a bunch of like teens getting high and whatever train spotting's about. I've also never seen train spotting, but it was definitely not that at all. <laughs> no. And that brings us to Scaredy Facts. For those of you just joining us for the first time, or for those of you who want to be welcomed into our home, as Colleen so lovingly put it this episode. This is where we invite you into our relationship to snuggle under the blankets as we go over some horror movie trivia about the movie we just watched to help bring ourselves down from the scares. My mom forced us at gunpoint to listen to our first episode. Oh, God. And the one thing that I like is that that story has survived the test of time yeah. and still remains to this day. <laughs> Please don't listen to our first season. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I said it would always be free, so it's still there, but don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Recommend this episode to your friends. Yeah. So for some reason, I can't find the budget of this movie. Sorry. But the opening weekend in the U U.S. was uh, $131,000, which not knowing the budget, I can't tell if that's good or bad. Yeah. Um, sure. Seems bad. The gross in the U.S. is 246000 so a little better. But the cumulative worldwide gross is $48 million. Which is a fucking lot. But that's like to date. Yeah. So there's, well, is the gross U.S. also to date? Uh, apparently. So there's another country. There's other countries out there. That we're not hearing about. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's Canada that helped this film because I mean, it's cold. Yeah, Canadians love skiing. Yeah. I've heard. All right. You ready for some f trivia? Yes. Fill me in. So my first trivia is that this film was shot entirely practically, meaning no soundstage, no green screen, no CGI. The actors and actresses were truly suspended over 50 feet in the air on the side of a real mountain in Utah. Wow. The audio was really good for that. 
Yeah, I wonder if they did ADR. They must have, because they or they had windshields or something. Yeah. I don't know how movies are made. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. It's I mean, that might maybe the budget was low because it was all practical. So to get the shot of the chairlift moving with the actors and actresses speaking on it, writer and director Adam Green and director of photography Will Barrett actually shot it themselves as the film's hired camera crew was too nervous to dangle at those heights. What? Adam Green was also terrified of heights while doing this. But he still did it. So I saw pictures of how they filmed it. And what they actually did is they had another lift mere feet away from the one that the actors were on. And they set up their camera and stuff on that lift, basically. Okay. I'm sure they probably also attached like extra support or something or maybe a really big crash pad underneath. (laughs) Probably. I would hope so. Or everyone was harnessed in or something. But uh, yeah, it was just straight up like just another lift right in front of the actors filming backward. Wow. Yeah. Also, I didn't drink my drink too fast and it made that ugly milk foam on top. Oh, the like crusty stuff. And I just got a bunch of it in my mouth. Yeah, that's only good on pudding when you peel the pudding skin off. No, thank you. Also, my um, kiss melted in the bottom. So it's very, very kissy on the bottom. All right, my next fact. At the Sundance Film Festival, this one's um, the self-harm warning, by the way. At the Sundance Film Festival, Adam Green told a story about how the spot where they shot the movie was supposedly haunted by a suicide victim who had killed himself in that very spot a year before. This was validated by an audience member during the Q&A at the Sundance Film Festival. She personally knew the victim. So I just thought it was interesting that they had heard this rumor while they were filming the movie And then when they showed the movie, it was actually confirmed by someone in the audience to have been true. Yeah, that's kind of sad. Yeah, it's pretty sad. um, And it kind of is unrelated to the film. So I find it very odd that they're like, yeah, somebody died there. That's kind of annoying marketing. I don't know if they they may not have said it that douchey. Maybe he just stood up and it's like, yeah, we heard a story that at this very spot someone had died. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like how every time they film a conjuring movie, they like have a priest come in and exercise it because ghosts could be there. Yeah. Uh, but they just so happy. Maybe they didn't know that it was a year ago. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Let's move on. The man on the missing poster. Oh, I'm curious. Yes. I knew you would be. Yes. So a little backstory halfway through the introduction of this movie, they are getting coffee randomly. Mm-hmm. And on the coffee pot, there's a poster for a missing person. And they like zoom in on it a bit. Not like over overtly, but they do focus on it. Yeah. Enough that Chekhov would be proud. Um, <laughs> and then later in the movie, when Joe doesn't come back and then uh, Parker finds a body being eaten by the wolves, I was like, oh, maybe the missing poster foreshadowed that this person is actually the corpse and Joe is fine and is going to come save her, which fucked us up because they've spent so much time foreshadowing it. Yeah. But the man on the misting poster in the lodge is, uh, Adam Green's usual camera operator, BJ McDonald, who couldn't shoot this movie because he had already booked work on Halloween 2, 2009. I'm sorry. You had to work on that movie. Yeah. Uh, the poster is meant to be a shout out and I dig at BJ for missing the shoot. Ah, that's funny. So, that's a fun Easter egg, but it also kind of ruined the narrative in that because they foreshadowed that, I thought there would be more to the later reveal. Yeah. And it kind of like dumped on it a little bit. At least she got to save herself, though. Yeah, that's true. 
Prior to the filming of this movie, Adam Green had never set foot on a ski resort in his goddamn life. Nice. So I got some shit to say about this. Ah, of course. As a as an expert skiist, uh, it's very clear that he made a lot of assumptions about ski resorts and stuff based on this. Uh, so first of all, you don't need a ski lift to get to the bunny hill. You get the little the little bars that go onto your butt and pull you up the hill. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know of any bunny hill that has a dedicated ski lift. That's just weird. Also, why did they travel on the same ski lift when they were going on the later? It didn't make any sense. <laughs> That's not where the bunny hill is, Adam. You you goofed up. Gosh darn it! Also, you know when the ski operator puts the flag on the chair, yep, and it goes up, and we were like, oh, it's probably for the person at the top to know that nobody's coming. It's not. It's for the ski op- operator to see the flag come back down and know that they haven't sent anybody back up the entire time. Right. So rather than him telling his replacement, there's three people that are going to be coming down before you can close yeah. it. The guy should have just waited for the flag to come down and then it would have revealed. But they're, they're two idiots who can't do their job right. So oh, it's fine. Man. Um, also, every single ski resort ever sends people up to check the, the lifts every night. Just in case. I imagine, yeah. Whether that was supposed to be Kane Hodder or not, I think Kane Hodder was just going up to pick up the operator that was at the top. Okay. Um, but the operator apparently came down by themselves. Yeah. I l- researched this, and it's happened maybe a couple times that somebody's got stuck on a ski lift and died. Uh, they died? Like one or two Shit. that I could find. But more often than not, they'll go up on the ski lift, and then the like people who check the ski lift will find them mm-hmm. and save them. Yeah. There was one time where the person died, but it was entirely their fault. Like they got on the ski lift after everybody had left and then a power outage happened and it broke down and he was stuck. Um, and then there's like just accidents that happen. But uh, yeah, there's no way that nobody would have found them. Oof. Yeah. Also like. That's when- crazy that it really happens though. That's yeah. what, that's the part, even though your whole point was it rarely happens. I'm like, but it happens. <laughs> I mean, when we used to go skiing, like it would stop and sometimes it would stop for like a half hour, but that's just because like it broke down and yeah. they need to fix it. Yeah. And if you get stuck forever, they send people up to like hoist you down on pulleys, which never happened to us, but still. So I think Adam Green was like, what's something that could be scary Getting stuck on a ski lift. I'll do some passive research about what actually happens. <laughs> the main characters of this movie are named after Adam Green's real life friends. Nice. Joe Lynch, just his name, Dave Parker, and spooky Dan Walker. Uh, though the names were originally supposed to be temporary names in the first draft of the script, everyone just kept it. it stayed in the movie. Nice. Uh, there's even a mo- moment in the movie when Lynch says to Dan, that's kind of spooky, Dan, as a shout out to spooky Dan Walker. Nice. Kevin Zegers? Sure. I said Zegers. Zeg- I don't know. Yeah. Kevin did this. <laughs> Our friend Kevin. You know, Kevin did the scenes with the wolves uh, starting to swarm around him uh, without a stunt double. Uh, when one of the wolves got too close for comfort, the trainers had to pull the wolves away and filming had to stop. In the film, you can actually see a few frames of the black wolf right, walking right up to Kevin and he tries to like look away for help from the crew, like looks off in their direction that nobody's at. Oh. Uh, and they just apparently cut it just a bit late. Come on, you little factors. Get it together. <laughs> they just wanted to play. Yeah. They were told, go, go play. And they're like, all right. <laughs> 
There was an uncut version of the scene when Dan is getting eaten by the wolves, but it was taken out because Adam Green thought that the blood and gore was out of place. Which is interesting because we talked about that and how the reaction of the two people left up top was better. Yeah. But there was a little piece of me that was like, show the body after, though. <laughs> just show it. Just I want to see it. <laughs> and then they covered it with snow and we didn't see it. Yeah. Luckily we just we got, saw like his hand. Yeah. His hand and like his boot. And then even after it snowed, his hand and his boot were still visible. <laughs> um, at least we got to see Joe later. And my final fact is a little bit of a goof em up. <gasps> so when Jason is climbing down the wire uh, to the next ski lift. The next shot is of the dogs running and waiting for him underneath. One of the dogs is visibly dragging around a leash through the snow. (laughs) (laughs) What a good pupper. What a good pupper. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. And that's all of my trivia. That warms my heart. Good. And now it's time for final thoughts. Once again, I didn't write my final thoughts because I was going to... I was going to wait me to go first. Uh, Sure. Well, now my final thought is that I thought it was weird that they would hide her away for so long just because she had magical powers. I feel like if they let her be a normal kid and trained her to use her magical powers, then she wouldn't have gone all uh, psycho ice queen later on and probably would have just been a normal person who can control snow and weather and stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially hanging out with your sister. The sister sisterly bond would have helped her out. And Olaf, who likes warm hugs. Exactly. So that's my final thought. My final thought is that this was a great way for us to start off our Happy Horror Days event because uh, I was frozen and screaming at the TV. But the movie actually made me feel cold. Yeah. I, I was like bundled in a blanket and I still felt chills. It was good ambience. Yeah. Super great. Well, that's been Frozen, a movie about one of the many reasons why you shouldn't go outside. Next week, we'll be watching The Children from 2008. And remember, always scream responsibly. Ah! Bye! Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and logo designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drink and scream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com. 